I was doing well until her friend, a massage therapist, walked through the door with a big bottle of canola oil and a monkey who was trained to work with a video camera. And she rocked my world. Welcome in to the Bro Four Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is episode 148, and I'm your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. Thank you guys so much for checking us out and joining us tonight for the movie discussion. Before we get started, let's go around and meet the fellow bros. We begin in the lab with the mad scientist Brian Banner. Banner, my whiskey is half drank and has two ice cubes remaining. Scientifically speaking, should I refill it? When did you pour it? Uh, probably an hour. Refill it. I feel like no matter what I said, you had that answer locked and loaded. No, I, I was waiting for you to answer before I answered. Okay, well, I appreciate you crunching the numbers and putting that PhD to work. Yep. Next, we go to our enforcer in the paint, Matt Geiger. Now, Geiger, we're through the first weekend of the NCAA basketball tournament, and I have to ask, how many people in your office have you personally wanted to get in a headlock for talking to you about their bracket and picks, which we, of course, know no one else ever gives a shit about? If you're the guy that picks a 12 over a 5, and once it happens, like I call that upset, man. I saw that upset. Well, like, no shit. Everyone picks a 12 over a 5. Or the person that picked Oregon to beat Iowa. Uh, yeah, I mean, Iowa's a two seed, but how good are they? I don't know. Iowa hasn't been good in a really long time. Is that even an upset? Because Oregon has a way better basketball program than Iowa. But don't be the guy I call that upset. I, I called that one. I had that one down. When only like one of your final four teams that are left that you don't <laughs> even have the national championship. It's like uh, fantasy football, dude. No one else gives a shit about your team or your bracket. Even if I'm in the same bracket pool as you. I don't fucking care. And if I wanted to look at your bracket and I'm in your bracket pool, I can go find it. So leave me alone. I don't, I might be the only one, but March Madness, I'm thoroughly disappointed. I think it's because I'm so confused. I don't know when they're playing. It used to be Thursday through Sunday. I know. They fucked it all up. Yeah. And now it's not. And is that because of time zones? Because they're all just playing in Indianapolis? It's gotta it be makes here. no sense. They should, no, that is not an excuse. They're all central time. Yeah, you can't make, you can't use that as an excuse. Okay, I don't. I I hope this isn't the way they're going to do it from now on, though, because they ruined Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight weekend. They're just playing like Saturday Sunday. It's dumb. It's hard to believe the NCAA fucked something up. <laughs> like it's you had <laughs> perfect. Just don't ever change. It's like the I, Masters. They're like the dude is like ah, we kind of want to tweak it though. Like why though? Anyway, we're not here to talk about the NCAA. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. Incompetencies. What well, we are here to talk about is what we start every episode off, and that's the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chess day. And as Matt and I were speaking, because it is March, as you know, on the Bro 4 Squad podcast, every year for the past five years, we have done a movie madness tournament. And in the description of this podcast, at the very top, you will find a link to our bracket this year, which you have been helping us fill out via Twitter. It is the worst sequels ever movie tournament. And tonight... We are down to the Elite Eight. That's right. The eight supposed worst sequels ever to have existed. And this tournament's a little different because the movie that advances in each matchup is the worst movie. So not the better film advances. Um, and it is important to note as well before Brian recaps our most recent matchups, which you can follow along with, uh, that these are direct sequels. So we left out 
prequels and legacy reboots and like third entries on. And the reference I always make is like Scary Movie 5. Really not fair for it to be in this tournament. And we're not going to go back and rewatch that piece of shit. Leprechaun 4 in space. I, that's just what what are we doing at this point? It's the return of Michael Myers again. <laughs> There's someone out there who's like, actually, that's when it gets good again. Yeah. Dude, stop. You, you, what you did was you left the franchise too early, bro. You gotta fucking stick it out. All right, so again, click that link at the top of the description if you want to follow along. Otherwise, uh, we'll just catch you up right now. Brian, we had two matchups on Twitter that our fans voted on to decide which movie was shittier and moved on. Why don't you tell the people what happened, what the results were, and then we can get into some of the Twitter comments that we got on these. All right, guys. Uh, we got a couple of... I'd call these landslides. These are just some big wins. Uh, blowouts, if you will. Uh, first matchup, Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues, went up against Mortal Kombat Annihilation. And Mortal Kombat Annihilation lived up to its name, and it absolutely annihilated Anchorman 2. 81% to 91% of the votes. Uh, can't say I'm surprised here. 19%. What did I say? 91 Close enough. It's, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, 81%. Anchorman 2, 19%. So, Matt, new Mortal Kombat coming out. Mortal Kombat Annihilation, 81% say it's a bigger dog turd than Anchorman 2. Any thoughts here? I know you and I love the first Anchorman. The second one, of course, I don't know what the hell was going on there with the same cast returning, but... Mortal Kombat Annihilation is so bad, it's like not a movie. They're so bad, but you got to take in consideration a couple things. One, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, I think you expected to be bad. Anchorman 2, you actually had some hope with. So, you know, how much does that go into the equation, too? That you're like, man, Anchorman 2, this, they, they gave it the proper time, you know, that you think it, it wasn't too late, it wasn't too soon. I'd almost pick Anchorman 2 just because of, what I had going into that movie, I thought it'd be Mortal Kombat Annihilation. You knew it'd be shit. Maybe like going to some shitty fast food restaurant. You know the burgers aren't going to be that good, but you went to like a really good steak restaurant. And the steak was terrible. Yeah, we've talked about this a lot in the in the tournament. Like uh, expectation, I think has to be factored into it. I probably would have gone with Anchorman too for that same reason because the, the first Mortal Kombat, even though we kind of enjoy it as a shitty movie, like what were you really expecting for the sequel? Like them to all of a sudden figure out. How to adapt that property. <laughs> and Anchorman 2 had even the same writer and director coming back in Adam McKay. I would say Anchorman 2 is a bigger disappointment, but it is not the worst movie. Annihilation is the yeah. worst movie. Anchorman 2 is a bigger disappointment. Same writer, same director, same cast, and they all had their worst performances of their lives in the same movie. That's pretty fucking bad. But the question is, were sequels to a movie ever? Mortal Kombat, the first one wasn't that good. Annihilation was bad. Yeah, that's it's a good point. Gap between one of the greatest yeah. comedies ever and Anchorman 2 is terrible. And this list and this whole bracket has kind of been filled with comedies because as we've said ad nauseum on this podcast, for whatever reason, there's such a tough cookie to crack. Because Anchorman 2 especially falls victim to this. It's so hard to not just keep going back to the well and doing the same gags that we saw in the first one, but that doesn't show me that you had a clever idea. Like the whole news fight at the end of the movie again, we're like, we already saw this. You already did it better than this. Stop. <laughs> like it's sad. 
All right, so Mortal Kombat Annihilation advances to the final four with a pretty uh, dominant 81% to 19% victory over Anchorman 2. We will decide its opponent here coming up in a second uh, with another matchup. But Brian, who will be the second movie joining it in the final four based on the second fan matchup that we had? The second movie punching its ticket to the final four is either Son of Mask going up against Dumb and Dumber 2. And it's two like T O two. Get it? That's Do you get it? Fucking, it's hilarious. Actually, it's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, so funny. And because, Brian, it's supposed to the number like the sequel is spelled T W O. I don't think you understand the joke, Jeff. Mm. I, don't, I don't think you get. I don't think you get what they were trying to do there. You know, you you're probably just not their audience. Okay. Uh, Son of Mask taking this one home 84 to 16. Uh, another just complete wipe <laughs> of the floor. Geiger, right now, if you are another team in this tournament and you see Son of the Mask with Jamie Kennedy as the lead character and none of the cast returning, you have to be thinking that's not a matchup we want right now, right? That's like I said, Dumb and Dumber 2, at least they, I mean, they attempted to try. Until you know, until they yelled action, but son of mask, I mean, you were fucking even. I mean, got on set the first day before you even had that first meeting about what to expect from the director. You're already fucked. Like when Jamie Kennedy is your lead. Sorry. <laughs> what is? How big is the drop? Like, has there ever been a bigger drop off? Like, well, we'll just replace Jim Carrey with Jamie Kennedy. I'm trying to think. That would be like. If that's Jared like, Stidham ended up starting for the Patriots this year instead of like, early two thousands, like maybe Juan Gonzalez has one more good year in him, we'll just bat him clean up. Whenever he's like way over the hill and not on roids anymore, like this it, is not gonna, it's, it's not gonna work. Jamie Kennedy is the equivalent of Juan Gonzalez with two blown quads <laughs> trying to act. And I'll say this: it's kind of like when you go back and think of the concept of the mask they still kind of punched above their weight. It's sort of ridiculous that movie ever worked in the first place. It only worked because of Jim Carrey and Cameron Diaz. Take them out of the equation and still keep the same idea. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing? Who even thought that would make money? It was just during the Jim Carrey, like, fascination, and he was red hot, and he did make that movie, for sure. He couldn't I do never... any wrong. I mean, yeah, anybody else in that would just be like, this is just some fucking stupid like D minus comic book movie, basically. All right. So son of the mask advances uh, to the final four. We did get one tweet that I wanted to read on the uh, matchup. Uh, this comes to us from crease Dofar, but it's spelled Q R E A S D O F A R. And this is an analogy that I actually laid in bed thinking about. And then it clicked with me and he says, the choices are bad. A Jim Carrey sequel that didn't need to happen in Dumb and Dumber 2, or a bad Jim Carrey attempt in an unnecessary sequel that never should have happened. I'll take Dr. Pepper over Dr. Thunder any day. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dr. Thunder's like the uh, Walmart oh, brand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just like Very the, familiar with it. Yeehaw is like the Walmart brand of a 7-Up, I think, or Mountain Dew. Jesus Christ. And he's Mountain right. Lightning. Ew. Yeah. Oh, Mountain Aren't Lightning. Yeah. Too, I think. It's a Walmart brand of like Coke. <clears throat> so, yeah, Jim carries fingerprints all over this. And uh, I don't know if he should 
feel more responsible for not returning to Son of the Mask and it goes to dog shit or for actually returning to Dumb and Dumber 2 in the movie was an atrocity. Son of the Mask, I believe, was straight to DVD. I think it was, yeah. I remember watching it on TBS one night at like 2 a.m. They're basically the team. college? I think think that's the only time I've seen it as well. (laughs) They're basically the team that, you know, day one of the NBA, (laughs) NBA, they're just like, hey, we're... We're taking for the draft. It's like you don't even really want to try to get an eight seed. No, we're good. We're taking. They're for like the, draft. the game. The season hasn't even started yet. What if you guys are good? Well, well, we're not really interested in that. We have Jamie Kennedy, so we got to figure out. He's our lead scorer. All right, so Son of the Mask advances to the final four, and it will face off against uh, one of the matchups we're about to do. So so far, Mortal Kombat Annihilation is at the top of the bracket. Son of the Mask is at the bottom now. We are going to live score the final two matchups in the Elite Eight right here on pod to see who will be joining those two films in our final four to see what the worst movie sequel of all time is. Brian, uh, I'll let you decide which of these matchups we do first, and then we'll explain to the people how we are going to score it on the Bro 4 Squad using a fraction of our typical criteria. Um, let's just go... Let's go top to bottom here. So first matchup, let's do Zoolander 2 versus Independence Day Resurgence. Perfect. So Zoolander 2 defeated Thor the Dark World to advance to the Elite Eight. And Independence Day Resurgence, I think, pulled off an upset, defeating Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo, which I personally had as the favorite. going. That, I, Matt, it, it was definitely an Deuce, upset. Did you see Rob Schneider getting eliminated from this tournament? I did not. Whose idea was that? You're no, like Schneider's. my sequel to that. <laughs> I said, I think I said in the selection show uh, with Cycli, people tried to give Rob Schneider a chance when they saw Deuce Bigelow, and he made us regret it by saying, "Oh, so you want another one?" Deuce Bigelow is actually not bad. It's, it's not like horrible. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> Definitely did not need a sequel. I'm actually shocked that. Uh, Kevin James and the is it Paul Blart that has a sequel or the, yeah Paul yeah, Blart yeah, too Paul I Blart think. Has one. that should have been in here but whatever all right so how we will be scoring this matchup between Zoolander two and Independence Day Resurgence on the Bro Four Squad criteria on all of our movie reviews we have five movie criteria we are going to whittle those down to three movie criteria we will grade each film on its acting for one the story for two and then it's impact as a film for a third criteria each of the three of us will be awarding a point for each of those categories to whichever film we think is the worst in that particular field so nine points total going to the worst film in each of the three criteria whichever is the first to five at least wins or i guess in this case loses the matchup so let's begin with the acting and the cast now for zoolander 2 which uh, of course, is the sequel to the surprise hit, I would say, with Ben Stiller's Derek Zoolander. Everyone comes back. There is a plethora of cameos. For Independence Day Resurgence, we are, of course, missing uh, the lead character in the film in Will Smith, as he chose to do Suicide Squad. That's kind of a pick-your-poison situation here. He so Matt, which suicide on that. <laughs> Matt, you can go a variety of ways here. You can punish Independence Day Resurgence for not getting its lead actor back. Or you can punish Zoolander 2 for actually getting its cast back and still being a dog turd. So which do you think was worse in the acting cast category? I'm going to at least, like, there's no reason to do sequels if 
if you don't have like any fucking actors from the original, is Goldblum even in? Goldblum is, but okay. Um, I, I'm gonna give it to Zoolander though. You don't get Will Smith in that, and then in a, a last ditch effort, you fuck around and say, "Oh, this is his son." And I'm like, dude, that's so cheap, though, because we know that you, if it's his son, then Will Smith should just show up in a cameo at the end or something. But you, Will Smith died off screen is what they did. You got to go Zoolander 2 then. So that's you're so saying cool. Zoolander 2 has the better acting in cast? Because we're at rewarding the worst. At least. Oh, we're doing the worst. An independent day resurgence. Sorry. I know. It's very counterintuitive, but the point stands. Yes. <laughs> don't make don't make the film, especially after like fifteen years, if you don't even have the main actor coming back. It makes no goddamn sense. I think Kill Yeah. In like a viral video too. It's not even said in the well, it's said in the movie, but they don't like show anything of it. I had to watch this movie on an airplane and I told Cycli I wanted to walk out and I actually considered just jumping to my death over finishing the movie. <laughs> All right, Banner Acting Cast, Zoolander Two or Independence Day Resurgence. I'm going to say Zoolander 2 is the worst movie. I think Independence Day Resurgence, for all its faults, the acting is not necessarily the worst part of that. Whereas Zoolander 2 is just... It's literally the exact same thing as Anchorman 2. You have this, the, all these amazing actors coming back, and they all have just an absolutely terrible performance together. A lot of them are the same actors, too. Saying, yeah, I saw Zoolander two in theaters. I regret that decision. Um, Getting that ten bucks back. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go Zoolander two as well. I legitimately felt bad for the actors on screen. Um, it, it was just cringeworthy. There's a scene where Derek reunites with Hansel after several years of not seeing each other, and the joke is that Hansel thinks he's ugly now because he has like this incredibly small like scar on his face from getting a mole removed. Like you can't even see it. And Derek, they have the joke is, Oh, you look horrendous. What happened to your face? And I remember the acting in it thinking like, these are grown men in this scene right now. And I actually pity them. I don't care what, like your pride has to have a cost, right? To where you just say like, that's not worth it. And I actually felt pain watching Zoolander two and the performances. So I'll say Zoolander 2 is the worst in terms of acting, but this is tough because these movies are both horrendously acted. So Zoolander 2 <clears throat> leads 2 to 1 right now. Moving on to the story. Which movie has the worst story? I already have the plot synopses pulled up. Buckle in, guys. This is going to be fucking rough. Zoolander 2. The plot synopsis is, Derek and Hansel are lured into modeling again in Rome, where they find themselves the target of a sinister conspiracy. And the plot to Independence Day Resurgence, according to IMDb, is two decades after the first Independence Day invasion, Earth is faced with a new extrasolar threat. But will mankind's new space defenses be enough? Geiger, since you haven't got to weigh in on this tournament, we'll go to you first for each of these. Which is the story and plot that just makes you say no? Uh, Independence Day Resurgence. Actually, Zoolander 2's plot actually seems like, okay, that makes sense with the you know, they haven't been modeling for a while. Now they are. And then they're, you know, it's a comedy. That makes sense. Independence Day Resurgence. I'm like, okay, so aliens are going to attack again. No, it's actually going to be a bigger deal than that. I was like, okay, I'm out. Like, you guys are just trying to get a cash grab. And you're probably going to cut. When did they drop that? Late June? Right around? Yeah, it was a summer movie. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, <clears throat> Halloween. 
Yeah. Independence Day coming out in October. It's December. <laughs> I know. All right, so Geiger's yeah. point... <laughs> Geiger's point for the story and plot to Independence Day Resurgence ties it up at two. Banner, what say you? I... This is a really tough one, right? Because, like you said, Geiger, Zoolander 2, like that whole plot, that makes sense. Their models are coming back, blah, blah, blah. But Independence Day 2, in theory, sounds like a safer bet, right? Hey, look, aliens are going to come attack again. It's going to be fun. Grab a beer, right? <laughs> but somehow they fucked that up. Like, Zoolander 2 being a comedy as, as a sequel that's hard to do and i think they i mean i guess they put their best foot forward which wasn't really a good foot but independence day how how do you fuck that up like aliens attack that's give me another movie where aliens attack earth that's not at least a fun movie yeah independent you're right independence day didn't really have to be like the first one's not really a good story it's pretty you know ham and potato like you know ham and cheese like this happens, and then this happens. So just watch and have fun. It's not really that complicated. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I'm going Independence Day Resurgence as well for a couple reasons. Number one, the first thing it does is completely negate... Not that this is Independence Day, the original, is like this film to be revered. But I, we have a lot of fucking fun with it. One of my favorite movie commentaries we've done. But the sequel minimizes the importance of the first one by saying... Oh, that first attack was just like a pre preparation for the real attack that happens now. I'm like, shut the fuck up. You didn't have this plan until two years ago. That's yeah, not what right. happened. Right. Yeah, that was just the uh, <laughs> Independence Day. The original is the potato skins. This right here is the steak. You know what I'm saying? And the plot is, again, based. it begins on a moon base with the humans where we have like mastered the alien technology, which sounds kind of cool in theory. But then you realize the only reason that Roland Emmerich did it was to up the ante. Like, actually, the aliens have way better technology. And I'm like, then why the fuck did they send the B-team to Earth? It makes no goddamn sense in the first place. You just need to do that to make the sequel cooler and blow more shit up. Uh, and Zoolander 2, I actually thought the plot was kind of clever. It's like the modeling agency has, like, this secret faction in Rome that Derek and Hans will get kind of entangled in. Benedict Cumberbatch is in it. He's kind of funny. Um... But with Zoolander 2, the plot, is it's really not that reliant on it. It's just relying on a few gags. Independence Day Resurgence uh, just really shit the bed. And this is, when I see a sequel like this take two decades, I know they both were like 20 years after the original, but Independence Day Resurgence, this does not feel like a plan that they've been kicking about for years and years and finally got around to making it. I feel like they just came up with this like a year before it started production. So Independence Day Resurgence leads four to two. Heading into the impact of the movies. Now, Zoolander 2 will need to sweep this category to advance, which, again, is not a good thing for the movie itself. So, the impact of the two films, Geiger, as always, when we get to the impact portion, this can be whatever you want to make it. Which of these two movies is shittier in terms of impact? I'm going to say Independence Day Resurgence, because I think this will be the only movie in history that's ever done this. But because of an actor's decision, we didn't get one shitty movie. We got two. <laughs> and Suicide Squad and Independence Day Resurgence. Wow, very true. Wow. We might not have had the pod if Will Smith didn't make that decision. Like, like, I mean, usually when an actor's like, hey, I'm in on this project and it's shitty, 
it's just that project or I'm out, you know, they usually just don't do anything else. They just don't want to do that. I mean, this, this led to two fucking shitty movies that year. Imagine, imagine, imagine being Will Smith's agent and pitching both of those movies. You go, look, you got to pick one. I was like, so about to say that. Right? Which one's she in? I'll do that one. Yeah. Or like older Vivica Fox. No, I'd rather go with the, it's kind of, yeah, his agent really fucked up that that's what he's bringing to the table. Will, got a couple options for you. <laughs> Will's like, is this what Hollywood has become? <laughs> this is what I'm picking from? We could be in this DC universe. After you do the movie, you're either going to be in eight more movies or none at all because they're not going to be canon anymore. Hey, Will, yeah. it turns out your character actually is in the sequel, but uh, they didn't even call us. They got Idris Elba to play him. Oh, okay. Also, the sequel has the same name. As the original, but they're gonna change it a week after it yeah. drops in theaters. Racist thing that's happened this year so far. <laughs> All right, well that seals it for Independence. Some won't, I guess. I don't no. know. No one will. Independence Day resurgence up five to two, but Banner, we got uh, Vegas. I think had this at one and a half. So where do you go for impact uh, here? Zoolander two or Independence Day resurgence? <sighs> I think Independence Day Resurgence, you have to, right? Zoolander 2, when it came out, we were all excited. Yeah, hey, look, love the first one. Been waiting for this. This is great. But at the end of the day, we all know in the back of our mind, this is a sequel to a comedy. They're good 5% of the time. So that letdown, we're already let down before we walk into the theater. Independence Day, honestly, the trailers looked pretty good. Minus Will Smith not coming back. Really, like, I was willing to give it a chance, right? And I don't know what the fuck they did. Like, how do you mess that up? I'm still just baffled by that. Aliens attack Earth. Earth defends Earth, right? Yes. It's not that hard. It's payment by numbers. <clears throat> yeah. So you go Independence Day Resurgence. Independence Day Resurgence has a bigger negative impact on us on, life. on us it's ruined my life i lost my children because of it yeah i'm gonna go the same way and this is a fucking route i'm gonna go independence day resurgence and make this a, to- a total of seven to two because when I, I another thing i think with impact and the great thing here is we can just take it to be whatever we want it to be or interpret however we want uh zoolander 2 being bad doesn't really ruin the original in fact in, the, in a couple ways i think it makes me fonder of the original like that is an idea that is so dumb it shouldn't work, but it does. The first Zoolander. And some, I think a lot of it is getting actors in roles that like you're not used to seeing them. Like David Duchovny, for example. Just the scene where Derek accidentally steps on his hand at the end and he goes, you freaking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Why male models? Are you serious? I just, I just explained that for like five minutes. That. <laughs> it's okay. like the whole monologue that he has. Independence Day Resurgence to me is like starts to make me question was the first one actually good as like I remembered it and I think it still is but yeah it kind of has you like rethinking because when I saw the second one I was like I mean plot wise this is kind of the same as the first one and I fucking hated this movie so maybe I'm the problem so we have to go Independence Day Resurgence here when I left Independence Day Resurgence I felt gross when I left Zoolander 2, I just felt bad for Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. 
So Independence Day Resurgence moves on with the, again. So listening to us, they're like, these are the movies they talk about. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much other ones they could talk about. I know, I know, but this is March, baby. This is March, baby. Yeah. Independence like Day. Feel bad about ourselves, I guess. <laughs> We're sick fucks. Independence Day Resurgence moves on with a dominant seven to two victory over Zoolander two. And we'll face Mortal Kombat and Annihilation in the final four to see which will be in the championship matchup of the worst sequel of all time. Oh. Banner, we have we have one more matchup to see who goes up against Son of the Mask, the buzzsaw that is the Jamie Kennedy sequel. Who is competing in this final matchup we're about to score? All right. For that last spot in the final four, we've got Transformers Revenge of the Fallen versus The Hangover Part 2. All right. So we begin between Transformers Revenge of the Fallen and Hangover Part 2 with the acting and the cast. Geiger, we'll go to you first. This is an interesting one because, unlike the last matchup, both these films return all of their main actors and the director. We had Todd Phillips uh, coming back for The Hangover, Michael Bay for Transformers, of course, and uh, again, the usual cast of characters returning for each. Which one's acting and cast do you think sucked worse? This is a tough one for me, too, because both of these movies, the first ones, were pleasant surprises. Like, I never thought Transformers would be good, and I'd like it, and I loved it. And um, people forget, but uh, when Hangover was out in theaters, so was uh, Land of the Lost, Will Ferrell and Danny McBride. Oh, yeah, I did a double feature of those. I strictly remember that my friends like, we're going to go see Land of the Lost, dude. Will Ferrell's hilarious. Remember that show that's going to be funny? I said, I'm going to go see The Hangover. And I remember leaving saying, that's one of the best comedies I've ever seen. And my friends were like, Land of the Lost is just kind of, eh. Uh, the second ones are both kind of the same. Very disappointing. However, I'm going to give acting and cast the worst to Revenge of the Fallen. At least The Hangover, they had new jokes. They didn't do the same, even on the third, even on Hangover 3, they don't recycle the same shit. Like, their characters do evolve. I will give them that. I mean, they still kind of play the same characters, but they don't do the same jokes you know ace ventura 2 style that you know the same catch lines and everything revenge of the fallen though like i mean something like megan fox like some of them just didn't even want to be there you could tell it was just so pissed at michael bay that they just didn't want to be there yeah the drama on set has been well documented and obviously that's case in point (laughs) with megan fox's last uh film in the franchise so geiger gives his point for the worst acting cast transformers revenge of the fallen banner will you follow suit or do you see it differently no, I'm going to follow suit, too. I think uh, Hangover Part 2, the acting was not the problem. You know, we, we talk about, uh, like, Harrison Ford. No matter how bad the role is, he's going to go in and he's going to try his, try his best, right? Those guys went in and they tried their best. It was not, the acting was not the problem with that movie. Where you can tell all the turmoil behind the cameras for Revenge of the Fallen, very, very much was present on screen, you could just tell, like like Iger said, nobody wanted to be there. Like, they should have just shut production down halfway through the fucking movie. They probably should have, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it's that bad. After Shia had the little accident where he broke his hand and they try to write it in horribly. We've all been there. Have we? Yeah. It doesn't feel that relatable. You've never broken your hand because you punched a wall in a bar in Abu Dhabi? That's not what I said. That's not what I said. It was twice. Yeah, it's a slow week for me. 
All right, so Transformers Revenge of the Fallen is up 2-0 uh, with acting cast. I'm going to make it 3-0 and agree with both you guys. And like Geiger says, the this is a, the next category, story plot. Story plot, Hangover Part 2 completely ripped off the first one. But there are some good individual uh, jokes and comedic performances there. I hate Stu, Ed Helms' character, but I love Alan and Phil in the second one. They're still pretty funny. And Zach Galifianakis still has a line in Hangover Part 2 with Paul Giamatti, who, by the way, is actually pretty good in it, that I still think is one of my top 20 most hilarious movie lines ever, where Paul Giamatti is asking uh, Alan to give him a routing number (laughs) to send some money to. And he's reading him the number, and he says, all right, here's the number. It's 4, 6, K as in knife, 7. (laughs) And that's one of the hardest times I've ever laughed at. In a movie theater. So the movie's dumb as fuck. But like Matt says, the cast uh, does avoid, I think, the comedic trope of rehashing like the same jokes over and over. In fact, I think Alan kind of evolves even worse. And I say evolves worse because his character is like slowly regressing into the man child that he fully becomes in the third one, which Matt and I quote all the time. Alan, the mayor called. Yeah, what he want? Children on the interstate. And in Revenge of the Fallen, I mean, this is where I start, really started to realize that the Shia LaBeouf, Sam Witwicky character that I thought was like the, the quick-talking, uh, clever guy is really just annoying and pretentious as fuck. And I'm not interested in him or anyone else. Also Tyrese. So, point for the worst acting cast goes to Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. On to story and plot. Here are the synopses for Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, according to IMDb. Sam Witwicky leaves the Autobots behind for a normal life, but when his mind is filled with cryptic symbols, the Decepticons target him, and he is dragged back into the Transformers War. And The Hangover Part 2 says, Two years after the bachelor party in Las Vegas, Phil, Stu, Alan, and Doug jet to Thailand for Stu's wedding. Stu's plan for a subdued pre-wedding brunch, however, goes seriously awry. All right, Geiger, which of these fucked up worse in terms of the story, Transformers or Hangover Part 2? Hangover Part 2 is worse. Uh, Revenge of the Fallen, the story, I mean, the, the stories are never really the problem in Michael Bay films. Uh, I don't even know if Michael Bay really gives it more than lunch, like one day out of the set shooting to talk about the story. The <laughs> Hangover Part 2, the beauty of the Hangover, the first one, is that even though you might not have lived that night with Mike Tyson stuff, but you've all been to a bachelor party you know, in Vegas or Nashville or, you know, whatever. But I would I would say 80% of the fucking movie audience that saw this movie has never even been to Thailand, never yeah. been probably even that side of the country. You know, maybe if you did like Ireland or England or Australia or even kept it in the United States, that makes sense. But the whole thing about Thailand just was like, I was like, I can't relate to this. I've never been over there. And I don't really have any, I mean, of all the European countries I want to go to, Thailand is not even in my top 20. Um, well, so I that, also... Story about South for me. Cycling and I mentioned this. I actually think the only reason they said it in Thailand was to reference Bangkok over and over. Like that gag is what they thought was uh, worth. Just a, whatever. Yeah. I thought it was to kind of get Chow more involved, but Chow could be involved mm. anywhere. Yeah. You give Chow fighting chance. That's all he really needs. And, and, and the third one, man, when they kind of go back to Vegas in the United States is a way better film. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. And they drive into Vegas, and uh, 
Stu, who goes, someone needs to burn this place to the ground. Cal's just having a rager, like in a Caesar's fucking suite up there, Villa. Dear Leslie Chow, OMG, the McRib is back. Why did it ever leave? <laughs> the letter that Alan wrote him. All right, so the point goes to Hangover Part 2. They're now down 3-1. to one. Banner, what say you about the story and the plot? Which was worse? So I'm going to use the same mindset that I used uh, last week when talking about the Santa Claus 2 and Dumb and Dumber 2, where Transformers at least tried. You have a pro- You can see a progression from the first movie to the second movie, how we got there. Hangover to Hangover Part 2, like I said, or like, like has been stated a million times, it's just a regurgitation of the first one. But because they could say Bangkok every five seconds, they thought it would be funnier to do it that way. Um, there's no progression or how we got there. Like, oh, hey, yeah, it's just another guy who's getting married. I mean, sure, I guess that makes sense. But, okay, you lose a guy again. Didn't, didn't we already do that? Yeah. Uh, I agree. I mean, I hate to keep repeating what you guys say. I know it's not the best podcasting, but you're not wrong at all. I mean, Hangover Part 2, we already gave it credit for having some, you know, fresh and sort of unique performances. But it's that's its biggest critique, right, is that it's a the exact fucking plot just moved to a locale that is actually less accessible to us uh, as an American audience, at least, which is the only lens that I can look at it through. Um, And I remember thinking about 20 minutes in. Oh, they're actually just going to try and do the exact same thing. Like with this as they did the first one. So unfortunately, yeah, I mean, story plot, The Hangover Part 2 is, is worse than Transformers Avenger of the Fallen, which, like Matt said, is not something that it's hanging its hat on. But here it's almost like a instance from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Do less, which Transformers did, and Hangover Part 2 took the ball and fucked it all up. All right, our last category, which is... Uh, Again, as we said, you can interpret this however you want. The impact of these two movies. Banner, we will go to you first. Transformers Revenge of the Fallen versus Hangover Part 2. It's tied at 3-3, to so whoever loses this category is the movie that is advancing. By losing, I mean the majority of us vote for it. Which had the worst impact going forward? So, both of these spawned at least one more movie. Obviously, we got Hangover Part 3. And then we got 37 other Transformer movies. <laughs> In counting. Yeah. And so can Transformers, I'm just kind of brainstorming, thinking out loud here. Can Transformers Revenge of the Fallen have been that bad to where we got a fairly shitty third one and then they start to kind of pick up a little bit and then they drop off again. Whereas Hangover Part 3 was like, hey, look, we just need to redeem ourselves from Part 2. And then we're done. So, I don't know. I think... I definitely... I don't want you to feel like you can't factor in the third movie into Impact. Because I I think that's a part of this as well. Yeah, I think it has to be. I think The ability to course correct. Correct. But they both course corrected, in my opinion, with subsequent movies. But then Transformers went shitty again. And then got good, and then went shitty, and then got good. They can't stop. <laughs> they can't. Um, I think I'm going to go Transformers here, though, because we don't need 37 of these. They're fun, sure, but I don't think we need 37. I think that they righted the ship with, you know, 
one, maybe two of the, the next ones, and they should have stopped. Whereas Hangover said, ooh, we fucked up. We're going to stop now. So your vote goes to Transformers for Worst Impact, correct? Correct. Transformers cool. to advance in the tournament. All right, Transformers now leads by a score of four to three. Geiger, who do you think had the worst impact? Yeah, I'm going to send Transformers to the final four. Um, <laughs> as Banner said, Hangover Part 2, it made up for itself in Hangover Part 3. I watched it the other day. It was it's fine. It's pretty good. <laughs> and then, I mean, Transformers now, I mean, poor Anthony Hopkins, who I hope has dementia because he's actually a serious actor and he's hooked <laughs> into this shit. They bring Wahlberg in, Tyrese. I mean, it, it gets to be ridiculous. At least, I mean, Fast and the Furious that's enough we don't need like 10 of these franchises making 20 or 30 of these i mean they need to move on to something else there's a bunch of stupid 90s shit that they can make like three or four movies on they don't need to make like 40 transformers go back and try and do gi joe again they had talked about doing a gi joe transformers crossover which if i'm drunk enough i'm absolutely oh watch it that sounds awesome yeah doesn't make any goddamn sense. I'll but. say the way the world is now with streaming services and like HBO and stuff, like you can make 40 Transformers now. I'm saying that you don't need to put these in theaters. I mean, some of these like just need to be like on People the streaming. People have home setups that are so badass now. Like Boehner has a fucking projector in his upstairs room. Like, like I'll watch it at home. It's so much easier for us now just to throw it on at home. I don't know how you monetize that in a lot of cases, but yeah. Not my problem. <laughs> All right. Well, as uh, Vince Vaughn says, as Geiger gives his point to Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, which advances already up uh, five to two. As Vince Vaughn says at the end of old school, when he gets kicked out of his son's soccer game, let's make it official, jackass. <laughs> I'm going to give my vote again to Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen to make it a six to three win. In terms of impact, I think one of the issues with Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen and what it showed and this is a serious problem that it created, was that these movies, regardless of quality, are bankable at the box office. And it gave Michael Bay this sense of, so all I have to do is crane shot an explosion and we're fucking good. That's $800 million made internationally. And Paramount was like, yeah, pretty much, bro. (laughs) That's it. In fact, after the next one, let's even get shy out of this thing. It's getting too expensive. So, yeah. It would be better as a country, though, Jeff. Just like... (laughs) With QAnon, just because it works doesn't mean we have to do it. Yeah, let's learn from our mistakes. <laughs> let's just like, let's just not do it anymore. Yeah, so I think the long-lasting damage here is more for Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, and I think I think both of you guys mentioned this. Hangover made a really good third installment, and then just stopped. And it's great. Now that's the lasting taste we have in our mouth is Hangover Part Three. So, so yeah, it's, they might make a Part Four. You never know. Todd Phillips is at home like, so you want another one? Because I get Ed Helms back, and I could beg Bradley. I don't know, man. Zach's not doing anything. That's like no. his deal. Yeah. All right, so we have Transformers Revenge of the Fallen advancing to the final four of the worst sequel sequels ever tournament, excuse me, to face Son of the Mask, and the other matchup is Mortal Kombat Annihilation, First Independence Day Resurgence. Follow us on Twitter at Bro4Squad. We haven't figured out how we're going to do the final four. We'll have to discuss after this. But you guys will definitely be involved in some way. Whether you vote on who's in the championship and then we score that. Or 
some combination of you doing one of these two, and then, I don't know, we'll figure it out. You will definitely be involved. Follow us at Scott on Twitter. Before we move on to the next part of our show, any uh, closing thoughts on the way this tournament is played out? Matt, how about you? Uh, I just think we should have some bet that the loser has to watch all the Final Four in a day or something. Ugh. It'd be disgusting. We're I sick. just threw up in my mouth a little bit. I just, I just quit. I'm like, you guys can take my money and my share. I ain't watching these fucking all in a day. <laughs> you found my breaking point, and that's it. <laughs> Banner, how about you? I mean, a few upsets for sure. Like, we all thought Deuce Bigelow would get further, but it faced off against Independence Day Resurgence, which is still dancing. So... Maybe, again, it just got a tough draw with the way this thing has played out. I One that's really surprised me is Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. If you actually look at it, it's on the surface, it doesn't seem like that bad of a movie. But when you start going through our categories and talking about it a little bit more in depth, it actually is a pretty bad fucking movie. I thought it was going to lose to uh, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Well, that's and where it, I'll go. I'll go matchups again. I think it's faced off against movies that are not as shitty as they should be, really, for for this tournament. I mean, <laughs> I still know what you did last summer is relatively harmless. It's, uh, I mean, it's a horror movie, so it kind of gets a pass in a lot of ways. And then, like we said, The Hangover Part 2 still has a lot of redeeming qualities. I mean, it, it's avoided a lot of the... <laughs> this whole thing is crazy because the draws is what's made this, because I'm looking now through the bracket... And Son of the Mask, who's now in the Final Four, like if it didn't face Speed 2 Cruise Control in the first round, Speed 2 Cruise Control might now be in the Final Four, you know? But it's all just matchups. That's what March is about. This is If you would have asked me to just, hey, gun to your head, Revenge of the Fallen or Hangover Part 2, which one's worse? I'm saying Hangover Part 2. But I just scored it to where Revenge of the Fallen is a worse movie. Yeah. Well, that's How why the fuck we, does that happen? That's why we do the category. When you actually break it down bit by bit, you know, it's the sum of its parts. Yeah, Bro Four Squad's Electoral College. Yes, exactly. Bullshit. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for your participation so far. We'll post one, possibly both of these matchups on Twitter. And uh, after you vote, please comment. We will read it on our show, especially if it's funny, because we're all about that going forward all right that brings us to the second part of our show which is our protein shake where we go around and talk about what is in our cup also known as what have we watched lately i have a pretty light week only have two things so let's go around robin geiger uh you haven't got to come on in a couple weeks what uh, what have you seen since we last talked to you i have a theme since it's march madness i've been watching some basketball shit hell yeah all right uh first thing i watch blue chips Watch it before March Madness all the time. Check Still holds out our up. Review. We did a review on it. Might do a commentary on it one day. I don't know. Probably won't. Like Michael Scott. Um, <laughs> fantastic movie. I, I still forget some of the... Um, you'll see the rabbit hole I went down after I watched this. But some of the cameos. You got Jim Beheim in there. You got Jerry Tarkanian. You got um, Rick Pitino. And of course, Bobby Knight. That's who he plays uh, the first game of the season before he quits. You got Penny Hardaway, you got Shaq, you got Rick Fox, uh, George Lynch, um, uh, the kid from Indiana that was fucking good. I can't remember his fucking name. Really brief Larry Bird cameo. Like yeah, Larry Bird cameo. It, you, it's a very good fucking film. 
best college basketball film I've ever seen. They have one it, of the uh, best made... opening scenes I've ever seen in a movie too. Yes, Nick Nolte fucking kills it. So after um, I see Jim Beheim and Jerry Tarkanian look on the YouTube machine, and I sent this to Jeff. But between the madness, if you've never seen this, so Jerry Tarkanian, big UNLV coach, then goes to Fresno State after basically kind of getting uh, into it with the NCAA with lawsuits and stuff. Now, if you you need to watch this it's from 1998, this is basically uh, Last Chance You or Hard Knocks before fucking Hard Knocks, where it actually gives you a behind the scenes of one of the most troubled basketball, I would say, programs of the 90s, besides maybe UNLV, of all these kids that he took with drug problems, with <coughs> gun problems, with you know assault and battery charges and shit. And they're just letting all these kids be interviewed and stuff on camera. And then he lets um, Mike Wallace is the guy from Fox News, but his dad, whoever that was, who's like a really famous. He was like, he's like a famous news person, but he was kind of before my time. But he lets them in there to interview all of his kids, which shows like Jared Tarkanian. I'm like, dude, your your program is not like crystal clean. Like, why are you letting all these fucking kids like in there? Uh, or all the reporters in there to like interview all, but basically the kids start um, getting disqualified one by one for, you know, battery charges or gun charges or drug charges. So at the end of the season, they don't even make the tournament. And they were like, Digger Phelps was there interviewing them at the beginning of the year. I was like, this is an elite eight final four team. If they just stay together and keep their nose clean. Yeah. <laughs> so then now, I watched the documentary. Sorry, Matt, real quick. The year, because I followed all those Tark Fresno state teams really closely they were so captivating is this like chris heron team or is this like rafer alston like what, what's yeah the... both of them are on the team it's are chris really? heron alston roberson um the vinnie jones that not was melvin a... eli right melvin eli was after them i think melvin eli was like a freshman on this team they talk yeah. about him for a little bit he had a pretty and good they, Two of the kids with drug and gun charges go to an elementary school as like the Darrow models, which they show too, which right. is awesome. So then I watched the documentary. Said. So this is a fucking fantastic story. And I asked one of our friends about this from Brooklyn. But there was a basketball player called Lloyd um, Lloyd Daniels, who was like a playground legend from Brooklyn. And the best basketball player out of New York ever, they said, in 88. And he decided to go to UNLV. And he could not read or write, but Tark got him into school. And then he got caught in a crack house and got kicked out of UNLV. So then he went to a school in Texas. Then he went back home because he got kicked out of there, got shot. And then two years later, when Tark coached the Spurs, took him on and he played pro ball for like three years for those Spurs teams with like Avery Johnson and uh, David Robinson. Damn. That's wild. And his nickname was Sweet Pea and the documentary is called The Legend of Sweet Pea and it is fucking fascinating and it really makes you ask yourself, is Jordan the greatest basketball player ever? Or is he just the one that, you know, kept his nose clean? Did, like, was there a crackhead somewhere that was actually a better ball player than him? Probably. Of course. You know was. what? I think, <laughs> looking at, um, I googled this guy this so have you heard Ron Artest interviews where he talks about the greatest player ever played was a guy I met on the streets of Brooklyn. I think this is the dude he's referencing. Probably. And at the time, you just kind of read it off like, all right, Ron. Yeah, you're like Ron Artest. 
test, you're a fucking lunatic. This guy's like in the NBA giving post-game interviews talking about somebody I used to play pickup ball with. But I have heard of this person. Well, I mean, he was he was like recruited by Syracuse. I mean, back in, you know, early 80s or late 80s, early 90s. I mean, UNLV is a top three program. Um, Villanova, like all those schools. And, you know, he would have been like, he would have started as a freshman, probably would have been, you know, top five pick as a junior. But so, yeah, you hear as a playground legend, but actually he was like recruited and everything. He just couldn't stay out of the crack house. Now, his career in the NBA, his career in the NBA, 200 games exactly, 17 Mm -hmm. minutes a game, seven points, two boards. I mean, that's not anything to scoff at. 200 games, like, dude played almost, you know, three seasons in the NBA. And the greatest thing, Jeff, when he got caught in the crack house, he had, like, his UNLV jumper on. So, like, the police thing, basically, he had the UNLV hat, UNLV (sighs) jumper. He's like, dude, I got to take you out of school now. Like, your front page news. Like, come on. Are you, you couldn't just change? <laughs> the greatest thing ever, though, is like, and it, it's, it, it makes you kind of think about, like, the reason he couldn't read or write, one of the reasons he had dyslexia, which makes you think, I'm like, dude, let this kid into school. Like, his only chance to make it in life is to go to the NBA. Right. And that's what I think a lot of times, a totally different conversation, totally different podcast, but like, by the kid clearly has used basketball as a means to get out of his current situation by denying him into a higher institution of education. Like really, what are we doing to him? And I'm actually going to get into college admissions here in a second. So I'm glad we get the way they got him into school. Jeff is fucking. (laughs) So he took like two, two classes at UNLV in the summer and they, and then they sent him to a community college, which they paid for his room and board and everything. And he had to take like African American studies, and then like one was just like him just playing like dodgeball to get his credits to go to UNLV. Get your gen heads out of the way; it's just smart. Brilliant. And the other movie I watched, basketball movie, which we forget a lot about, and we love on the pod, sports movies, kids sports movies with sports stars in it. That's Eddie, which is actually a really good movie. I like Eddie a lot. Yvonne, take charge. And, of course, with the Ken Griffey Jr. stud at the end, it was LJ, which I fucking loved, because Larry Johnson my favorite player growing up. Yeah, Eddie's, Eddie's awesome. I don't think I was the biggest Whoopi Goldberg fan growing up, but that movie, for some reason, was one that I really liked. I mean, I don't like Sister Act, but, like, Ghost of Mississippi and some of the stuff she's the series. I mean, she's she was a great actress, and then she just stopped acting, and now she's on The View, I think. Yeah, whatever. Is that all you got? Yeah, I'm done. That's my basketball themed. I love it. And you know, uh, we're all big fucking dockheads here. So I'm going to watch that UNLV documentary this weekend. Uh, is the Sweet P one, is that also on YouTube or is there somewhere else? Amazon Prime, or you can rent it on YouTube for like three bucks. Sweet. In. All right, Banner, what's in your cup? What have you seen lately? All right. Uh, first thing is finally got around to watching Tiger. The uh, Tiger Woods documentary on HBO Max. Nice. Uh, it was fine. Matt, have you seen it? Yeah. No. Oh, damn it. You haven't watched it yet, Matt? I'm waiting for a special time when, like, the grandparents have the kid or something, so I can just fucking... Okay. Also, for something else that Jeff's probably going to bring up here in a little bit. I don't know if I'll ever find time to watch that. Yeah, you're not. I can promise you you're not going to have enough time to watch The only <laughs> reason I had enough time is because I spent... Literally the last 24 of the last 36 hours on the toilet because I had this nasty-ass stomach bug, so I was able to watch it on my phone. Uh, 
Tiger. It was it was good. Jeff, you watched it, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, it was fine. It was interesting. I think that there is a clear narrative of this documentary, which is kind of surprising from uh, HBO. They don't generally do that. They kind of show both sides of it. And I thought they were kind of one dimensional in this one. Basically blamed everything on Tiger's dad. And none of this was ever his fault. It was all his dad's fault. But that's just my own personal opinion of it, of how that was how I received their message. Now, I'm not saying that Tiger is completely scotch free or his dad is completely, you know, scotch free in all of this. But to me, it felt like they were trying to make Tiger more of a hero than he is. And I think he's great. I'm perfectly fine with everything that happened. Like he's human, just like everybody else. But he needs to take responsibility or people need to have him take responsibility for some of the things that happened as opposed to say, Oh, well his dad was kind of a piece of shit growing up. And that's why tiger is the way that he is. Yeah, I do get that viewpoint. I thought one thing that was interesting, this is kind of a, I love you now die. The people of verse Michelle Carter, like how one part clearly shows one point of view. And then the second part clearly shows the other. I think the first part is, very pro tiger the first part of the two and i think part of that is um and this is at least how i interpret it vanner i'd be interested to get your thoughts the people that they interview um clearly have a vendetta against tiger woods and while they're being while they're being interviewed you know that they think it's coming across as a hit piece on him but to me it's so opaque like it's so easy to see through what their motivation is to talking that it actually discredits them in a lot of ways. And I'm talking specifically the girl from his high school. Yep. His high school sweetheart who like, yeah, obviously he fucking left you in the dust. Like he's the greatest, probably the greatest athlete of all time. Like what do you want from him? Uh, and then Steve Williams, who kind of comes around in the second part, but in the first one, I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. Steve Williams lost a lot of future earnings when Tiger Woods stopped having him as his caddy. Yep. Like, that's how it works. So when these people are talking and saying not necessarily negative things about Tiger, but they're presenting things at a clearly biased viewpoint, I see right through that. And I think that discredits them. They might think they're coming across like, dude, I'm going to fucking own Tiger right here. But it's so obvious that they have a biased point of view that I'm like, you just, you're making Tiger look better because you're so uncredible. That's kind of how I viewed it. One of the reasons I think I'm not running to go watch this thing is that I'm a huge Tiger fan. I'm I'm not a huge Jordan fan, but after the last dance, hearing him basically tell the other side of the coin of like I, the Isaiah Thomas story, where he's like, "Yeah, I don't care what he has to say now." After he had 30 years to think about it, yeah. like you know, I know what he said then, how he felt then. You know, I want to hear Tiger's point of view on this, which we'll probably never get because he's no. not as arrogant as Joy Jordan. He'll never even talk about it. He's he's but, way more or tries to be way more private. Yeah, but what? some skank that he banged what she thinks about tiger what i don't care like he just had sex with you and then probably doesn't ever talk to you again like i don't care what you think about tiger woods yeah and i will say this the first part of it um i don't mean his it's really the rise is the first part and then the fall is the second but kind of to matt's question i think when these people like he was referencing one of the women that he cheated on his wife with when they talk in the film they just discredit their own viewpoint without even realizing it. I mean, you're clearly so scorned and upset at this person 
that I can tell what you're saying is so motivated by getting back at him and not necessarily informing us about Tiger Woods, if that makes sense. I yeah, I agree. Tiger the last dance where he just glosses over the scandal part, just like Jordan glossed over his dad's death, I would be in. Yeah. Maybe. Banner, did you prefer part one or part two? Now, if you watch them back to back, it might be kind of harder to differentiate. Uh, I think I preferred part two. I think I did also. Um, Because, again, like I said, part one felt like people were just trying to throw shade at all these different people. Like, hey, Tiger's dad was so hard on him. Tiger's dad was a womanizer. Tiger's dad did all of this stuff. Tiger's mom was so strict. Tiger was just this perfect, innocent little person. I just got tired of hearing that. And then in the second one, it was more, hey, this is all the things that Tiger did in the last maybe 20 minutes of it was the redemption of that. I just thought it was cool in part two how they basically articulate, here's why Tiger is probably the greatest athlete of all time. He's played half his career through brutal injuries and still beating the shit out of everyone he's competing against. It'd be like Jordan playing on one leg and winning three titles. Like they, Matt, they go through the tournament. I can't. I don't think it was Pebble Beach. It might have been the British Open. Where, what was the one where he tore his meniscus like on the fourth hole on I Saturday? I think that was the British Open on Saturday. He literally, or no, no, no he broke his no, leg. That was, that was the U.S. Open, and he still won. Yeah, yeah. his his yeah. Uh, well, cleats slipped people, on the cart path. What people forget is he tore his meniscus on day two, and. He won the U.S. Open, but he tied Rocco Mediate. And the U.S. Open rules is not that you have a one-hole playoff. It's that you play 18 holes again the next day. That's so stupid. He did not play four days of traditional tournament. He played five straight days of 18 holes. And On a torn meniscus. Yeah. Insane. Absolutely stupid. So, Matt, whenever you get around to watching it, we'll have to get all of our thoughts on it. I think it's it's definitely, I mean, especially you being a huge tiger fan and a golf fan it's definitely worth a poke as i would say whether you like it or not i think you'll you'll take something away from it and it is very golf centric like they until probably like the last 40 minutes of the two and a half hours they kind of avoid like the tabloid nature of everything i'm definitely interested in his childhood that because everyone says earl was hard on him but most of the time then kids rebel against that but he always talks so highly of his dad yeah for sure what All else, right. Banner? Uh, next thing, finally got around to watching Dark Phoenix. I think because I had such low expectations going into this, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. That's not to say it was good by any means. But it was fine. Jennifer Lawrence, I don't... If you had to put her performance in this up against Natalie, Natalie Portman's uh, performance in the prequels. I'm not sure who did worse. Yeah, I mean, I've referenced th- this is like my uh, benchmark mail it in performance. This Natalie Portman in the prequels, probably more so episode three. Yeah. Um, and Zoe Deschanel in the happening are like the three. Anytime. Oh, sorry. And Jamie Foxx and Amazing Spider Man too. Anytime I want to say someone like did not give a fuck, no matter how much they were getting paid, these are the ones I go to. Um. I Is think that, that for, uh, Sansa Stark doesn't know yeah. if she has an English accent or an American accent the whole yeah. time. It, that's it one thing that's times, very yeah. distracting. Um, I think if this one had different actors in it, it wouldn't have been that bad of a movie. I thought the CGI was great. I thought some of the action set pieces were great. 
yeah. fight scenes were good, but some of the acting just wasn't there. Except for McAvoy and Fosbender. I my was, God. I was going to say, I no matter what they do with those guys, they're fucking great. And I actually loved what they did with Magneto in this. I thought it was awesome. I thought yeah. his character had a really cool role in yeah. it. Um, I do think this this was the one where I was like, Ty Sheridan wasn't really doing much, but obviously with Gene Gray being the focal point of this, in this movie I was like, yeah, you're you're not my Cyclops. Get the fuck out of this movie. I don't like him in anything. I think he's a horrible actor in general. Sucks. And Ty Sheridan, if you're listening, I'll say it louder. You fucking suck. Yeah. Like, you probably aren't, but you need to move in with Brandon Ralph. It's amazing to me that, you know, Spider-Man, I understand they got to do the Uncle Ben death or whatever, because that's like a bit. But X-Men, there's just so many different ways you could go with it, because there's so many different characters and stories, but they just seem to just, it's either Stryker or Dark Phoenix. It's just the one they go with. And considering how bad The Last Stand was, if you're the second best Dark Phoenix movie, like, that's rough. (laughs) It's not like... It, this isn't fucking uh, Abbey Road that we had at the top. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just make a decent like. And Banner, what the fuck is Jessica Chastain's villain in this? Like, oh my god. I don't know. I don't know. What's the villain that they've n- still never done? Like, this Mr. Sinister. Mr. Sinister. Yeah. They teased Essex Corp in... Like, uh... Just do that. They te- Did they tease that at the end of this or something? They tease him at the end of The Wolverine. The Wolverine. But yeah. continuity, schmontinuity, they fucking forgot about it by the next movie. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Bring that up to one of the studio heads drunk. He's like, oh, yeah, we were going to do something with that. It's actually going to be pretty cool. We did do that, dude. That would have been sick, right? Yeah. He's like, I... he's like nudging Brian. He's like, I don't know if you know this, Banner, but he's like one of the main villains in the comics. He's like, I actually, yeah, I do know it. He's actually the main villain for like all three seasons of the animated series. Yes, I'm yeah. well aware. Yeah. All right, next thing I watched, revisited uh, Return of the Jedi on part of my Star Wars quest. Guys, this lost a lot of stock in this rewatch. Wow. Lost a lot of stock. Still a great third act. Getting to For there sure. was hard. I'm, I'm afraid to ask, how did the Ewoks hold up on a They re-watch? did not hold up Damn at it. fucking all. I think the Bible's dated too. Get <laughs> rid of it. <laughs> it's less important than Return of the Jedi. Yeah. It's not a lot of people right now, but just keep going. Reread it the Bible. Just... The apostles do not hold up. Yeah. <laughs> Everything on Tatooine. that reviews the Bible is like, listen, I, I, I did it. It just doesn't hold up. I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't as good as it was in 93. Uh, everything on Tatooine is really slow, really tough to go on, and it just isn't very compelling. I don't, again, maybe it's because it's kind of centric around uh, Han and him getting captured and everything. I don't want any more backstory on Han. I don't want anything else. I would have rather progressed in other fields. Um, but again, one of the best third acts of any movie ever. Um, how does Yoda's death hold up on a rewatch? Because I, like Yoda in the beginning of Empire, obviously he's, he's like a fucking joke, but it has there's a method to the madness right yeah in jedi where like his story kind of comes full circle and has obviously had much more color added since the movie came out how did that play out for you it worked really well it okay, worked so well. one of the okay 
Yeah. It sounds like uh, it just gets stronger as the film goes on, but the opening is slow and then a bit campy. Yes. Right? Yes. When when they once they leave Tatooine, it starts to pick up and it, it's a little bit better, but it lost a lot of stock for me. Also, I remember this as a kid, the transformation in Luke uh, between Empire and Jedi, it's pretty big and it kind of all happens off screen. So you're sort of like, it's like kind of jolts you in the beginning. You're like, oh, you're like this stoic, like veteran Jedi now. It was kind of confusing because you're like, look, you just got your ass kicked by Darth Vader. He chopped your fucking hand off. And now all of a sudden you're this like crazy, awesome badass. It, it just doesn't quite compute. Yeah. <laughs> Can't prove anything. All right. Last thing. Uh, like I said, had a nasty stomach bug, so I was able to just sit on a toilet for four hours and watch the Snyder Cut. Jeff. Let's talk. Let's talk about it. Great segue into the start of my protein shake. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Banner, I'll let you go first, and then I'll, I'll jump in. Um. Okay, I've only seen the theatrical release one time maybe twice but i'm pretty sure it was only one time things i remember it being i was watching two different movies at the same time and the cgi was just fucking terrible mm-hmm. <laughs> what i got out of the snyder cut fixed some of the cgi i actually watched one movie that was about two hours too long mm-hmm. there was a lot of them just like a lot of like stoic shots that just weren't fucking needed there's a lot of fluff the first two a hours. A lot of just bullshit that's not needed. We don't need four hours of this bullshit. The Aquaman song. What was that? I I don't know. I I don't know. All right, let's go pros first. Matt, things you'll like. Number one, no jokes. Like, every joke added in Justice League is Joss Whedon. <laughs> Batman in this movie is Batman from BVS. Okay. You, yes. you will love that. He is dark. He is brooding. He is ruthless. And he is driven. He does not do a 30-minute improv set when Superman comes back about how his back hurts. All that shit is gone. You'll love that. Uh, number two, the characters get backstory. Unfortunately, what Zack Snyder literally did is there's a 30-minute cyborg movie in the beginning of this, which Warner Brothers was never going to let him do. There's a 20-minute Aquaman movie, which is probably better than James Wan's whole fucking Aquaman movie. 100% it is. There's a 20-minute Flash movie, and the problem there is the Flash is a horrendous character. Nothing about him works in this whole thing. And Steppenwolf's entire plan in Zack Snyder's version is predicated on working for Darkseid, who is in a lot of the movie, was cut completely out of Joss Whedon's. That's insane to me. Yeah. Okay. I would say Darkseid has 25 minutes of screen time in this. Uh, that's, right. Yeah, that's, prob- that's probably pretty accurate. It's like Thanos, you know, when they started teasing him. Kind of. Okay. Exactly. Uh, and then the thing, Matt, you will really love, if you, I, I time-stamped it, if you go to the last hour and seven minutes of this movie you will say it's a fucking masterpiece. It's the nightmare sequence, isn't it? It That's the very end of it, which is incredible. And the characters who show up in it, I don't know how they got some of these actors to come back, Brian, to be honest. Yeah. Considering, like, just everything. People must love Zack Snyder, because some of the actors that showed back up for this thing to reshoot, just in that one scene alone, there's three of them. I'm like, holy shit. All right. Yeah. 
I was like, surely not. That's is that going to be surely? Holy shit, it is. And Matt, we find out what happened to uh, Bruce or Batman's Robin. Yep. Like which in, Robin is it? Is it Jason Todd? Uh, do you want me to? I, we probably shouldn't spoil it for people. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. But I really theory, do want to see this. I just don't know when I'll have fucking four hours. Just but. go go to the last hour or seven minutes, and that's really all you need to see. And <laughs> Black Suit Superman is done so well in this. So good. It's really incredible. I have to say, one thing this does, this does two things. Number one, Zack Snyder, it's an incredibly bloated first two and a half hours. Like, I don't know why he thought that movie was ever even going to see the light of day with Warner Brothers. But two, this makes Joss Whedon look completely really bad yeah <laughs> like really really bad really bad there's not Snyder's a single... just such a genius but like he just he doesn't know when to like cut he gets shit in out. his own way he's yeah. like a fan that's that's his biggest strength and biggest weakness because the movie's legit four hours and like two minutes and what do you, you get give to... like, compare it to something i know it's hard to compare a four-hour movie to like a two-hour avengers movie or something but like um I'll say this, if you, except for The Flash, this thing is like a near-perfect superhero movie for me, especially once you get to the last two hours. So, do you like it better in BVS? The BVS you saw, the, the extended version, you gotta go through with the Snyder Cut now. So, sure, Snyder Cut, sure. or BVS it's actually makes sense. Um... The, the first hour and a half of Just League, it's not that I didn't like them, but there's just like a lot of fluff. Like, it's all character stuff, yeah. but it's like, this wasn't going to make it. Once you hit the two and a half hour mark, which sounds crazy to say, this thing, I was fucking locked in. <laughs> Once I, you finish one movie. Yeah. This is, I would say, Zack Snyder's best film from the two and a half hour mark on. The, the last <laughs> hour, Matt, is near perfect filmmaking. And the last ten minutes you as a DC fan will be coming your pants. So do you think that this is going to continue that HBO is just going to be like, Hey, make another movie and just stream like, because a four hour movie in theaters will not work, but a four hour movie on streaming will. Yeah. So Matt in the, uh, this won't surprise you at all news before the Snyder cut came out. DC said, look, this is a one-off. Like we have our plans, you know, Zack Snyder's done with, with DC. Uh, the Snyder cut comes out breaks every streaming record what do you think dc said this past week listen we're gonna bring them back we're gonna we're gonna get look, the if you, together look if you guys want it we'll talk to zach which at this point i'm just like if if i'm zach snyder i'd be like look before we even have this conversation you let me do three movies and you leave me the fuck alone or i'm not even gonna answer your phone call i will argue that zach snyder is the best superhero movie director we've ever had just because i don't know how he's going to close but the easter eggs he has laid since he's had this thing has been a comic book nerd's dream i mean even more than what marvel does at their you know after credit scenes and stuff i mean zach will do it like i mean right he does it in a completely different way justice league tie i mean what he did here ties up a lot of those easter eggs wouldn't you say brian i would agree yeah like not only did he have plans for him, he fucking filmed this shit. And it's, but he also have... it also he also leaves enough meat on the bone to come back to. Yeah. Now I won't spoil anything for Matt, but Brian, I will say this: the one like the big character reveal they have, kind of towards the end, I was like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. And that was clearly reshot. Like Ben Affleck does not look like he did in the. Other... Yeah. 
Justice League stuff, but that's fine. No, he's actually way skinnier than he is in the other one. Oh, okay. Like, he doesn't look like the Bruce Wayne. There's a scene where Bruce Wayne uh, decapitates a parademon, like, just slices his fucking head off. And I was like, yeah, this doesn't look like the Bruce Wayne that would have done that. So, I, Brian, I loved it. Getting through the first hour and a half was a little grueling, but the last two and a half hours, I was completely locked in. Yeah, I, it was great. I can see why a lot of that ends up on the cutting room floor, but like Matt said, uh, if they gave him, or like you guys said, if they give him three movies, just leave me the fuck alone. Yeah, I'll come back and I'll watch them. For sure. All right, anything else, Brian? Nope, that's it. Uh, I have one thing, but I actually think I'm going to save it for next week. Um, if you guys can see it on the show notes, I'll just because of time issues. and yep. uh, I kind of need to let it marinate. That brings us to the last part of our show. Bruh? You lift bra? Which is, as Brian said, our Do You Even Lift Bra segment, a question and answer part of the show, where we ask a question that we leave you with. Today's Do You Even Lift Bra, a little bit of news. This week, Collider reported that Pierce Brosnan has been cast as Dr. Fate in Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam movie coming out next year for DC. So I got to ask you guys, we went through this when uh, Pierce Brosnan was rumored to be Cable. And why am I so pumped up by this? And do you guys care at all? For some reason, for me, Pierce Brosnan fighting Dwayne Johnson sounds like a weird dream I had when I was like drunk or something out of my mind. And I don't understand my obsession with Pierce Brosnan, but I'm starting to realize it might be unhealthy. Matt, we'll go to you first. This is a official casting as a villain. Have we ever seen Pierce Brosnan in that role? And do you give a fuck about this? Um, Pierce Brosnan is in a Western on Hulu I watched that I cannot remember the name of, but he kind of plays kind of a badass anti-hero. He can play the role. Great actor. Has a lot of range. We just haven't seen a lot of his movies because they're not, I don't know. He, I don't know why we haven't seen a lot of his movies. I've seen a couple of them and I like him in everything he's in. I think he'll be fine in this. Um, I don't, I hate to burst your boat. I don't know if the Black Adam movie is going to happen, but we'll see. <sighs> Yeah. Until we have, until it's wrapped filming, it won't Actually, happen. it will because The Rock's in it. They already signed them. They're like, listen, this is, they'll even come out and be like, this has nothing to do with the new DCU, the new, new DCU with Zack Snyder, but we signed The Rock. So enjoy. Matt, uh, we have to do shots if Dwayne Johnson calls Pierce Brosnan a some bitch. <laughs> I, I put the over under on that. Adam The Rock. I hope The Rock tries to at least meet halfway on this. I feel like he's got one speed. And it's like, he's like, you know, he can act a little bit. Yeah. Gang true. walking tall. I mean, I'm, he's like my guilty pleasure actor. So I'm not going to sit here and bad mouth. Okay. Him. I, I always have the rocks back. I, let's do it. Like Sansa Stark, uh, Sophie Turner's accent in dark Phoenix. He'll slip in and out of the rock and into the black Adam character in the movie. I'm fine with that. All right, Banner, your thoughts. We got Pierce Brosnan as a villain in a superhero movie. Kind of crazy. Yeah, I... At first thoughts, I'm like, there's no way this is going to work. But then when you think about it, like Matt said, Pierce Brosnan's got a little bit of range. We've never really seen him as a a villain. Uh, But I can promise you, he won't be the worst part of that movie. Sure. Matt, in the Western he's in, does he still kind of have his accent? Because I don't think I've ever heard him not have his... Nah, he's like really Americanized. Damn. I think it's called The Sun. And he was raised by Native Americans. And now he's like a rancher. 
It's pretty How good. Old? Well, that How sounds old? awesome. How old is it? I don't yes. know, like three, four years old. Oh, okay. So it's like recent. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm pumped. Let's, let's just cross our fingers. Black Adam actually happens. And uh, Pierce Brosnan finally diving headfirst into the comic movie gene pool which he needs to do we've been waiting seriously all right before we let the people we're close i can feel like we're close especially now that his shit's kind of cool a little bit i don't know if he he might become a professor at ut who knows what he'll do next all right before we leave the people for episode 148 closing thoughts matt geiger it's freeze your eggs man i mean women you know what i mean do it don't make him keep telling you guys. Just go home and do it. Well, it's not, not go home. Do it with a doctor. Banner, how about <laughs> you? Just put your eggs in an ice cube tray. Leave them in the freezer for a while. It'll be fine. <laughs> and then come on the ice cube tray, and it's like problem solved. Problem solved. That's how babies are made. Yep. Uh, pull over for emergency vehicles, please. Everybody, you don't know who's in the back of that uh, ambulance or where that fire truck's going. Pull over when you see the lights. Very well said. Uh, only thing I'll say is, as March Madness is ending, uh, just remember, like I said at the top, nobody gives a shit about your bracket. No one cares. Okay? I mean that in the meanest way possible. For our enforcer in the paint, Matt Geiger, and the mad scientist, Brian Banner, I'm the Mayor Jeff Hornacek, and we are the Bro 4 Squad Podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Follow us on Twitter at Bro4Squad because we have the final four of the worst sequels ever movie madness tournament, and we need your help and comments to get this thing finished and have someone cut down the nets for being the shittiest movie sequel of all time. Follow us on Letterboxd, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. If you type in Bro4Squad as three separate words, you'll find us there and check out everything on our website and our squad blog bro4squad.com. Till next time, we will see you later. Snyder Cut fucks. <laughs> <laughs>